Hey, Justin here from RideCX.com, and you're listening to the Inside Cyclocross Podcast. My guest today is one of the most important figures in American cyclocross, Brooke Watts. Brooke is the race director who brought you the Cross Vegas World Cup, and right now he's working on the 2022 Cyclocross World Championships, which will be in Fayetteville, Arkansas, United States, next January. Brooke just got back from Europe, where he attended the 2021 World Championships in Ostenda, and we talk about his experience there, the Fayetteville course design, and Arkansas becoming a hotbed for destination cycling. Because we weren't able to meet in person, this is a recording of a call we had via Zoom. Let's have a listen. Thanks for joining us, everybody. I'm Justin from uh, RideCX.com. And my guest today, I'm speaking with Brooke Watts. If you haven't heard, the uh, UCI Cyclocross World Championship is coming back to the United States. Fayetteville, Arkansas won that bid to have uh, Cross Worlds at the end of January 2022. And Brooke is joining us today, uh, representing the organizing committee. Uh, Brooke, thank you for being here. It's a pleasure. I'm, I'm really looking forward to chatting about what I enjoy most, which is cyclocross and world championships. I think the first time I heard your name was when uh, was in association with the Cross Vegas uh, race. For anybody not familiar with Cross Vegas, it was a nighttime race in Las Vegas held under the lights, and it was typically held in conjunction with the Interbike trade show. And now that Interbike has gone away, that race has gone away as well. Uh, but when it existed, it later became the first World Cup ever to take place anywhere but Europe, which was a big milestone. And uh, that, that was largely your doing. Could you give the audience a little bit of a just maybe a bio introduction about who you are and your involvement with the sport? Well, it's, uh, my, my, I go back to the dinosauric ages, uh, racing cyclocross in the 70s, the mid 70s, late 70s in Austin, Texas, where... Uh, uh, where I attended the University of Texas. I'm a Texan. Uh, and in 1978, a handful of us had the, the bright ideas. Let's stage the national championships. So a couple decades before the national championships were held in Zilker Park, the famous uh, Heritage Trees edition, we held the national championships in Zilker Park, 1978, just a short 100 meters from, uh, from, from where they were last conducted. Uh, and we had 19 participants, period. There was one field of racing and there were 19 participants. Uh, women, men, juniors all raced together. So, so my background in putting on events goes back quite a long ways. Fast forward all of those years, and uh, Cross Vegas, which, which was 11 delightful years of my life, uh, you know, we, uh, it, it just started with the idea of, gosh, we go out to Interbike every year and there's nothing to do after hours. You know, we don't drink, we don't gamble, we don't go to strip clubs. Wouldn't it be cool if, and from that, you know, I'll do it if you do it kind of thing, uh, we created Cross Vegas and I, I tell you what, you can draw a direct line from the start of Cross Vegas to the growth of cyclocross in the U.S. And, and I'll give you a perfect example. After that first edition, uh, 
I had retailers, or rather distributors, uh, wholesalers, the next day on the show floor of Interbike say, I've never written so many orders yeah. for cyclocross bikes. And I think it was in large part because people said, gosh, if they can do it in a soccer complex in Las Vegas, I can go back to Tampa, Florida. I can go back to Dallas, Texas. I can go back to you know Burlington, Vermont, whatever, and I can put on a race. And and you know the the sport went like that. So uh, so that's very gratifying. Uh, about the second or third year it was the Lance Armstrong year. Lance came out of retirement, uh, came to Las Vegas to race. And that same year, I had some uh, some visitors from the UCI, some guys who were very close friends of mine. Uh, and they said, Brooke, this should be a World Cup. I think this was uh, 2008. I said, well, we'll get there. We'll take our time. You know, we're, let's, let's continue to grow this thing. So fast forward now, several years later, I think we were a first day World Cup in 2015. Uh, and that's when I finally felt, okay, uh, we have steadily grown this thing. Our infrastructure is strong. I've got an incredible staff, guys who give up their, guys and gals who give up their vacation to come out and help me at these events. We're ready to do it. We jumped in and it was a great success. Uh, European racers, Belgians that I see even a couple of weeks ago in Ostinda still talk about the fun they had in Las Vegas. So we were, we were very proud to, to bring, to be the first World Cup, to bring World Cup cyclocross to the USA. That has continued. You talked about the demise of Cross Vegas with, uh, with the cancellation. First, the, the move of Interbike to Reno, and then like so many other trade shows, uh, Interbike, you know, uh, disappearing. Uh, and at that point, I moved on to manage the World Cup Waterloo, which took place for three years and continues to take place uh, in uh, Waterloo, Wisconsin, on the on the campus of Trek Bicycles. But my focus now is very squarely on Fayetteville 2022. And as you've seen in the recent news, the, the uh, World Cup designation for Fayette Cross 2021, which I'm sure we'll chat a little bit about. Yeah. Yeah, Cross Vegas was really special for me. You know, I live in Southern California yeah. and we have a very vibrant local amateur scene here that is Absolutely. super active, right? Yeah. But if you think about historically, you know, where has the big, huge elite level or even international level interest in the United States been? It's, it's Boston, Eastern Seaboard, it's Portland, Oregon, right? So for the opportunity for me to drive to Las Vegas and to see the best athletes in the world was frankly a, a kind of a once in a lifetime opportunity that I had never been able to watch cyclocross on. on but that it, stage. it wasn't always that way though. You know, when, when we start going back to 1978, in national championships, Austin, Texas, at that time, the hotbeds of cy uh, cyclocross were Santa Cruz, Eugene, Oregon, Austin, Texas, and then a couple of niche locations, which I attribute to the, the, uh, uh, the cultural uh, background. Chicago, where you have a ton, at that time, a ton of Belgian immigrants who are continuing the, the cycling tradition in the summer, the cyclocross tradition in, in the winter. St. Louis, Missouri, which had a great number of immigrants that continued the cycling, uh, cycling tr traditions across all disciplines. 
So these, you know, the, the, the Bostons, the, the Seattles, they were kind of second wave. And that wave came pretty quickly. You know, there was uh, the 80s and 90s saw a lot of growth. But, uh, you know, you're, you're, in, you're in one of the original cradles of the sport. You shared with me that you've just uh, returned from Europe, having been able to go visit the uh, Ostend World Championships for 2021. And that does sort of start the unofficial countdown, right? That race comes to its conclusion. And then we're, uh, although the, the bid is awarded several years in advance, in terms of sort of your countdown, you're now one year out from Fayetteville. So maybe you can talk a little bit about your experience at uh, Ostenda, especially with the, the COVID protocol and, and how are they were able to make that race get, get pulled off. Well, in, in fact, uh, we've attended world championships for a couple of decades and, and feel qualified to, uh, to, to conduct one, to organize one. And, and so our visit this year was less about, gee, we need to go over and see how they do the start grid or gee, we need to go see how they do the finish line or whatever, the, whatever particular technical aspect you might want to learn about. Uh, it would have been very easy to say, gosh, things are weird and the amount of paperwork that I've got to do to get into Belgium and my, you know, uh, uh, interactions with the Belgian consulate, et cetera, et cetera, are just so prohibitive. Let's just stay home and watch it on TV. But we felt it was necessary to go over there to see how does one conduct this type of world championships in a time of crisis. Uh, and Gosh, we all hope I've got my prayer candle burning here. We all hope that that you know this is soon in our rearview mirror. But it was necessary to see how do you control bubbles, how do you keep the public out, uh, all of those things that we were able to see and still see a very uh, uh, very good race, as as you know, I'm sure from watching it, uh, and uh, and it was fascinating to see. The, uh, the public kind of hanging on the fence on the outside, you know, kind of staring from, you know, 400 meters away, getting a tiny glimpse of some ants going across that, uh, that great big bridge over the tramway. Uh, so, so it was fun to see, fun is not quite the word, interesting to see how a world championships is conducted in, in, uh, in the midst of a pandemic. Did you happen to see the, those photos of the guy in the wetsuit standing in the waves trying to Saw take, Are you kidding? take photos walked, on the beach. <laughs> I walked down there and looked at him, you know, because <laughs> the, the team staff and, and, and the media, we were all, you know, kind of that, you know, another benefit of, of, uh, of, of a restricted crowd is you could move very freely. Right. Uh, photographers were saying, Oh my gosh, I was able to get photos in four different locations in one lap. That's unheard of. You're usually fighting the crowd. It's, it's, it's difficult to cross the course. But the point is, you know, we're all in one location at, at one point where they come off the bridge, hit the sand for the first time. Uh, and, and then someone said, there's a guy in a wetsuit over there. You know, and so it's like, boom, all the lemmings headed over there to see what that was all about. It's like... Well, I wonder what he's doing. Oh, it looks like he's got a camera. And, and there was a, a Belgian naval vessel offshore. Uh, and, you know, and then the buzz was, well, maybe he swam out from that 
ship, you know? It's like, no, I don't think so. I think he's just a super fan. So, so yeah, we did see him. It was fascinating. Well, obviously, there was a little bit of elite-level racing and some pockets of uh, amateur racing where people in the United States were able to put on some races last fall and last winter. But yeah. by and large, kind of the elite calendar was, was canceled and, and many athletes sort of took a pass. So, you know, I'm really excited about, um, as you say, you know, kind of putting the pandemic in the rearview mirror and having, a, you know, fall 2021, winter 2000. 22 everybody really be able to to get back into it so i think it's going to be a big season for cyclocross you know both with the the participant at the amateur level and then for spectating too so uh, well there's i think there's a heck of a lot of pent-up desire absolutely racer side and and the super fans side we heard that a lot from uh from from european fans asking uh um, you know those that we did see in person off-site and our inbox just overflows daily with, you know, when do tickets go on sale and, and you know, what are the travel arrangements, et cetera, et cetera. So there's, there's a big pent up desire. And, and so I, I second what you're saying. I think, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to have a lot, of, uh, a lot of interest in our season. Um, you know, call it the roaring 20s, you know. I think we're ready, ready to have some fun after this is all over. Yeah, I think uh, Fayetteville World Championship can be sort of the culmination and the wave of all this interest crashing all into one place. So, yeah, uh, I'm really excited about it. Fayetteville, I think, received the formal announcement of this bid in like 2019. So, uh, you know, three years from the announcement to the actual event date. And you've been working behind the scenes. Can you talk a little bit about a timeline perspective, you know, as the organizer promoter? What are you working on at? a year out, nine months out, six months out, and so on? Well, so, so there, there are really two pieces to what I'm doing. The first piece is uh, assisting from a cyclocross perspective in the uh, construction of a new park in Fayetteville, a cyclocross-specific park. I shouldn't say cyclocross, a cycling-specific park. Uh, Centennial Park, it's termed. It's located very conveniently uh, at, the, at the corner of Interstate 49 and MLK Avenue. You could throw a rock if you had a good arm and hit the University of Arkansas. It's connected to the, the great network of uh, bike paths in Fayetteville, Arkansas. It's going to have an, uh, an incredible number of mountain bike trails of all levels, so boneheads like me can go out there and ride. There's other trails where guys can get big air, uh, big air and, and, and jump over stuff, which, you know, my wheels never leave the ground. Uh, and then in addition to this is this fantastic purpose-made cyclocross race, uh, cyclocross course. Uh, and the park designers said, Brooke, what do you need to put on a world championships? And I said, well, I need a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I, I liken it to, uh, to a cookbook, to, to, to a recipe. And, and I use this with, with the Belgians so they can understand, because the question is always from the racers and the fans, what's the course like? I say, well, you take a little bit of an Arkansas hill, which is like the Ardennes. You add in a little bit of Namur. You season it with a little bit of the Valkenburg course. And for, for a little spice, you add some Ruddivord, 
with the steps, which then have a Zolder plunge from the top, that gives you Centennial Park. And it, it truly is my idea of what can we take from some of these iconic courses? And what does that mean? What are some different skills that will test the racers of all levels? Climbs, plunges, uh, 38 steps that you have to run up. Uh, some, some areas that given the right circumstances could be muddy off camber areas. That's what you're going to have. So, so that piece assisting in the course development, the park development, uh, 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 consulting on the construction. I'm not out there driving a Caterpillar tractor, but very closely, uh, in touch with the course designers or, or the course builders. So there's that piece. Then there's the whole other piece, which is a little more traditional putting on of a world championships, which is the, uh, all of that back-end organization, not unlike putting on a, uh, uh, an Olympics, you might say, because you've got everything from how do you move people around? How do, how do you deal with accreditation of both staff, media, et cetera, et cetera? What, uh, what do you do in terms of housing for athletes, official hotels, et cetera, et cetera? How do you interact with the UCI on keeping all of this within the protocols that they have? So, so two very distinct pieces that, that come together and uh, do, in fact, keep me very busy. And, and I have been busy. You mentioned that the bid was awarded January uh, uh, 2019. It's been day in and day out since that point, and and it only uh, it only increases. Uh, you know the, the the workload only increases. But here here's the secret: if you're if you're working on something that you enjoy, it um, it doesn't feel too bad. People who are are listening or watching this video, you know, if I ask, you know, where is your cycling hotbed? Where do you want to take your dream vacation to? Uh, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, they might have said uh, Moab or Sedona, right? And Arkansas would not have been too high up on that list. But if people haven't really been following the news, it is not an accident that Fayetteville is getting the world championships, right? This is sort of the culmination of a lot of advocacy work with, um, you know, I know the the Walton family has been doing uh, charitable giving and Imba has been working on some projects in Arkansas really with the goal of making Arkansas kind of a world-class destination for uh, for cycling. Well and, and that's true it look it's a great location it's centrally located you can you can reach it within a few hours of, of some of our largest cities whether that's Dallas or Chicago St. Louis I mean the list goes on and on so so it's eminently reachable by the largest number of Americans where Moab tends to be a bucket list kind of place, uh, Sedona, you know, those, those kind of places that we think of are, are a little more remote and, uh, you know, certainly worth visiting, but jump in the car, take the family, you know, you're in Northwest Arkansas, you go out and ride a bike. And if, uh, if other members of your family aren't so inclined, you've got these world-class museums, Crystal Bridges, a new uh, uh, modern art museum, uh, yet another one that's opened in Fayetteville. I mean, just the list just goes on and on. There's so much to do there. Fayetteville is a university town. And like all university towns, there's a heck of a lot going on. It's always vibrant. There's great dining. 
there's just so much in that 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 area has to offer it's really really fascinating to see how in the last i don't know half a dozen years or so that is just uh just exploded uh particularly on this cycling front and that's cycling across uh all disciplines or you know uh whether it's the mountain bike and you want to do the the easy stuff the crazy stuff gravel riding like you've never seen before you know you leave your hotel and within five minutes you're you're on some gravel road and you know right all the way to little rock rock right all the way to oklahoma you know it whatever direction you want there's just just great uh, uh great riding and if you're a you know traditional roadie guess what there's tons of of, of secluded paved roads so fascinating fascinating region and and uh people are heading there you know moving there and say you know why are you moving to northwest arkansas i love the riding there you know that's all it takes and and on top of that you've got some tremendous employment opportunities so it's a it's it's a special place that's for sure i did not get the opportunity to attend the last time the world championship uh was in the united states but i'm definitely going next winter and this will be my my first go around and the people that i've talked to that have had the opportunity to ride there have just said you have no idea you know they can't adequately describe on a website what you are missing out on if you haven't been to arkansas for cycling it is world class so you know sometimes we go to an event and you you fly in and you do the event and you leave the same day or you drive in yeah. and you leave the same day and I would really encourage people that if you think you want to go to Fayetteville to see the race, to plan the whole weekend or plan a week, because there is a ton of riding and tourism and things to do uh, yeah, true. in the area. Yeah. Bring your bike. Definitely bring your bike, not only to get out and, and, you know, have some challenging rides of whatever kind, but also it's just a great way to get around, uh, get around the town, get around the city. Uh, it, it is a super bike-friendly city. Part of what was just announced with with the at the same time as as the World Cup calendar is that Fayetteville was named as the first in the U.S. UCI bike city, uh, joining the ranks of some incredible cities around the world that have have similar bike infrastructure. Whether it's kids biking to school, people biking to work. Uh, recreational riding. So that bike city label that that Fayetteville received um, um, just it you know says so much about how the region is aware of cyclists. Has been for many years. Joe Joe Martin Stage Race has been going on for twenty something years. So there's always been this heritage of cycling in Northwest Arkansas, and it's it's undergone this renaissance in the last few years. So let's talk about that World Cup. So um, World Championships is at the end of January 2022, but between now and then this fall, the uh, World Cup series uh, kicks off in the United States this fall with three World Cups on USA soil, which is really exciting outside of the upcoming World Championships. And one of those three World Cups is uh, Fayette Cross. So can you talk a little bit about the relationship between the World Cup and the World Championship? How much overlap is there between the course and, and right. the venue and so on? Yeah, no, it, it, there's a lot of overlap. We will use the same course and we'll see how 
how the World Cup goes and may then make, make some uh, modifications. <clears throat> what it does is give us an opportunity to showcase that beautiful Centennial Park, uh, kind of a grand opening, a, a, a premiere, whatever, a coming out party uh, for not only those residents of Northwest Arkansas, people who live in Fayetteville, but also cyclocross fans from across the U.S. and the world for that matter, for the, to come out on Wednesday, October 3rd, uh, 13th rather, October 13th, have a party in the park with us. So we've got racing in the afternoon and then, the, then after the racing is finished, the party will go till dark, opportunity to enjoy, you know, beer, music, all kinds of fun. So, so that's the idea, to get everyone there, to see how the park behaves, uh, see, uh, test all of our various systems, and then we rinse and repeat on January 29th and 30th. So uh, we're, we're looking forward to it. The, the, the staff members that I have are uh, really focused on October 13th, knowing that, you know, we're going to, uh, we're going to, uh, acquire our muscle memory and then come back uh, a short three and a half months later and do it all over again. Absolutely. So for fans that are uh, interested, obviously uh, this is not a race where you can show up and uh, participate as an amateur like you normally can in cyclocross. So the world championship will be uh, spectator only. So for people that want to come in and uh, watch the event, let's talk a little bit about how you get there and where you stay. So Northwest Arkansas Regional Airport, yep. XNA has a bunch of uh, major airlines. And from what I can see on the map, that's maybe half an hour from the venue. So you're pretty close. That's about right. It's about half an hour, which is uh, a lot closer than than some of the airports that I deal with. Like, you know, if, uh, my drive to the Denver airport's a heck of a lot longer than that. Uh, and, and what I always have to tell people is, uh, Fayetteville, Arkansas, do not book a flight to Fayetteville, North Carolina. The airport code is XNA, not FAY. Uh, so uh, so that's, that's your airport. And at the airport, you've got everything you need in terms of uh, with uh, shuttles or uh, rental cars, rental cars being much easier to navigate, uh, uh, you know, your, your comings and goings. Uh, the official hotels <clears throat> will be available on our website beginning March 1st. We'll have some, some discount codes that are, that are on, the, uh, on the website as well. So make your travel plans and then sit tight on March 1st. Uh, we'll, we'll list all those hotels uh, on, on the website. Uh, One of those hotels will be sort of an official media center kind of HQ for people that want to be really close to the, to the action. Uh, I know spectators also... Spectators will have the opportunity to uh, possibly watch the pre-ride too, right? So if you're really a follower of the sport, you may have the opportunity to go to the venue and watch the course inspection or some of these media events as well as the you know showpiece races as well. Absolutely. For the World Cup, there, there is a Tuesday afternoon training session. Uh, that's the first opportunity for the racers to come out and, and, and see the course. And then for the World Championships, you've got training sessions on Thursday, Friday, uh, and then the racing starts on, on uh, Saturday morning. So yeah, the, at, at that point, you've got to come out, see what, it, see what the guys are doing, you know, uh, the, the racers as they prepare. That becomes a big part of, of, 
uh, of any cyclocross event, as you know, but particularly at the world championships levels that, you know, part of the fun is race day. I mean, that's, that's the meat. Uh, but, uh, the fun part is going out there for the, uh, uh, for the course recons and seeing the guys as they test some of these sections and, and, you know, prepare and, and, and things are a lot more casual then. So you've got the opportunity to interact with them. So to your point of making it, you know, don't fly in on Saturday morning, come in a few days early and, and, and really get the whole atmosphere. And, and then what I have to add is, you know, you've got various after hours activities, you know, downtown Fayetteville, we've got all kinds of stuff planned after hours. So the, you know, the party, the party goes uh, after hours. I would point out, you know, if you haven't been to a race of this caliber, maybe you may not be aware of uh, how accessible the teams and the mechanics and the athletes are in cyclocross, probably to some other sports, right? Uh, we just had the Super Bowl in the United States. You know, you're not going to be able to get into Tom Brady's inner circle yeah. and ask yeah. him what kind of tires he's running this weekend. But yeah. cyclocross is is pretty accessible, and you have a lot of opportunities to um, check out the riders as they're prepping or warming up that, that you would not have in other sports. So true. I mean, you don't get to walk down pit row at Indianapolis and and talk to Mario Andretti, and I'm showing my age by using that name. Uh, ask Mario Andretti, what pressure are you going to use in your good years this year? You know, or can you sign my, you know, my, my program booklet? And you can do that in, uh, uh, in cross. You can watch the guys uh, uh, on their trainers warming up. Uh, it's, uh, it's one of the things, uh, one of the intimate elements of our sport that I, that I like so much is that you can develop a re relationship with these riders. So another way to get close to the race for people that want to do a little extra uh, maybe is volunteering. So what kind of volunteer opportunities might be available uh, at these events? Yeah, yeah, thanks for mentioning that. I probably would have neglected to say that, but we do have a contact form on the website and that can be anything from one of our much needed course marshals. Uh, there's, there's always an opportunity to volunteer there. And, and, and we've got, oh gosh, you know, uh, several hundred volunteer positions that we need to fill throughout the weekend. So what we do on that, uh, on that volunteer form is ask what your, you know, asks what your skills are and then try to plug you into something that's, that uh, takes advantage of those skills, but also is fun. So, uh, so there are opportunities and yeah, I, you know, there's, there's nothing more exciting than being on the inside of an event. There's a, you know, a certain uh, intimacy involved with that. So uh, I, I would encourage someone if they, if they're, they want to get out there, do something a little different, please volunteer. We'll find a, we'll find a spot for you. So for people that are planning trips, what, the, what should they expect from Arkansas for weather conditions in October and then in late January of next year? Well, let's, let's start with the easy one. In October, it's gonna be probably in the 70s to low 80s, uh, very comfortable. We've got much more light because it's uh, uh, before daylight savings time ends. So that's one that's pretty easy to predict. Any predictions on what the weather's going to be like in Arkansas are, uh, gosh, you better have a good bookmaker. Uh, it could be anything from uh, slightly below freezing to mid-40s. 
Uh, there could be a little bit of snow. There's rarely much snow in that region. It's, it's, not a, it's not an area that gets, you know, big heavy snowfalls, but there could be a dusting or an inch or two of snow in the rarest of circumstances. It could be rainy, but uh, for example, uh, I, I, I pulled up the forecast while we were in Ostenda. In other words, while the World Championships was going on, I pulled up the forecast of what was happening in Fayetteville on that day. And it was 42 degrees and partly cloudy. And then on Monday after the championships was over, it was going to be mid forties and rainy. Can I predict that's going to be the weather 365 days from now? No, but, but it was a, an indication of the, the kind of range that we might see. For sure. Well, but here's, uh, the, here's the good news that the, the soil consistency in the park there's a wee bit of sand in the soil because there's a lot of sandstone around there. So the mud clumping uh, aspect is very low. You're, you know, when it is wet, your tires shed, shed the mud pretty quickly. As you walk around in the mud, it doesn't cake to your shoes so that you're doing, you know, uh, platform shoes. So, so it's very, we're, we're fortunate that the, that the soil type there is very favorable. There have been some previous test events in prior years that got muddy, but I think it's uh, not the same course, if I recall correctly, right? There's been some modifications to... It's the same park, but not the same location within the park. You're absolutely right. And, and, and what we used was the pasture areas and some of the uh, uh, downhill into the woods. For the world championships, we have gone much deeper into the woods, built course into the woods, removed some trees to accomplish that. And so it be, it's, it's a completely different character. That was also, uh, that was uh, an early October event with extreme rain conditions like I've never seen before. Three inches of rain during the course of the Sunday, three inches of rain within the course of the Sunday races. I've never seen rain totals like that before. And as a result, you, those, those classic images, the one that's been floating around for the last week or so of Katarina Nash doing, you know, a superwoman dive through a mud puddle. Uh, it, was, it was epic, that's for certain. For sure. So um, for fans and people that want to um, think about attending, uh, let's start getting the word out, right? So uh, if, if you're unable to attend, obviously, mark your calendar. You know, this will be uh, live streams available as usual, but I would really right. encourage everybody to watching to take advantage of this sort of once in a lifetime opportunity to be able to see the world championship in the United States. So Let's talk about where people should go on the internet to stay informed. So I know Fayetteville2022.com is already um, pretty well built out with a lot of detail already for right. planning your trip. There's a course yes. map. There's some information about travel yep. and That's lodging. Exactly. Yeah. About yep. uh, social media. What should people be following to, to stay in touch? Well, the easiest way, rather than me try to recite a bunch of uh, uh, account names, uh, go to Fayetteville2022.com. And you'll see at the bottom are various social links. So, so you know, jump whether that's uh, Twitter, uh, Instagram, or Facebook, jump on those. And then for Fayette Cross, the October 13, 2021 event, 
go to fayettecross.com and once again at the bottom of the, the, the page you'll find all of our social channels jump on those follow those and you'll be uh, you'll be plugged into the latest uh, latest and greatest news continue to check bookmark those sites continue to check back on them we'll add details more interesting stuff uh, as it comes along, particularly with regard to the hotel information, which will launch on March 1st. And, and I should add that ticket sales will open in the summer. That is something that, uh, that will come a little bit later uh, as we put this uh, crisis behind us and we're able to focus on how do we get together and, and do what we used to do, which is, you know, stand around and pat each other on the back and, and, and really, uh, um, you know, uh, hang out in groups like uh, like we all want to do once again. So for, you know, fans that may have been exposed to, you know, world-class cyclocross only through streaming at this point, they may never have had the opportunity to attend a race of this caliber in the United States. So I think it's worth noting that you do need to buy a ticket, right? So, you know, yes, sometimes right. smaller, more local neighborhood races, you just roll up and park your car. And yep. uh, these are much larger productions. So. Uh, I saw on the website that the sort of the expected uh, turnout, you know, for planning purposes is like between 10 and 20,000, somewhere along those yeah. lines. And uh, we got to pump those numbers up, folks, and show the show the UCI and show the cyclocross world that the uh, United States is taking it seriously. So, but but here's here's more important. Yeah, you you've got to come out. We know that. That's that's the obvious. Come out, support your sport, but you've also got to start working on your costume right now <laughs> because as any diehard cyclocross fan knows the 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 europeans have got this figured out you know you don't show up in your patagonia and levi's you know you have got to go with the the full-fledged i support my nationality by wearing a costume that reflects it uh so so you know time to go to youtube uh, figure out what the what the others are doing, and then start working on your costume. That's that's the best advice I can give a U.S. super fan right now. For sure. Uh, so keep an eye on those uh, social media accounts and the and the email list, you know, for an announcement about uh, ticket sales. Uh, yeah. Thanks so much for joining me today. Any last minute or parting thoughts that you wanted to share about the event that we didn't cover? No, I just tell people to go to the sites. Uh, if you've got any questions, uh, questions, go to the FAQs. They're pretty exhaustive. If the FAQs don't provide you the answers you're looking for, pop us a note on the contact form and, and we'll get right back to you. We're, we're, we're uber excited, looking forward to you know, hosting, uh, hosting the world in Northwest Arkansas in a short few months. Well, Brooke, thanks so much for taking the time to chat today, and I'll talk to you soon. What a pleasure. Thanks so much. Thanks for tuning in for this conversation with Brooke Watts. I can't wait to make my travel plans to attend a world championships right here on USA soil. If you want more of this type of content, don't forget to subscribe using your favorite podcast tool and perhaps leave a review for the show also. Until I see you again, thanks again for listening and ride safe.